Hello and welcome to MacBytes episode 85. I'm Mike Thomas and I'm here with my co-host Elaine Giles. And in this episode, Word, Excel and PowerPoint. But first, we've got feedback. We have had so much feedback. It's amazing. Thank you all so much. Yes, this one was a tweet. It was rather humorous, wasn't it? Yes, it was after 2am and uh, we just finished recording another show. When a tweet came in from Johnny, Johnny I, not the Johnny, well, he is the, G- the Johnny I, isn't he? Yes, but he's not the, the Johnny I. Not the, the Johnny I. No, no. but it is his real name. Lord Justice yes. Jonathan. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and it said, and I quote, OMG, just checked my podcast feeds and I have not one, but four MacBytes episodes. Don't say that often, do you? No. <laughs> yes. So um, after 2am, what were we doing up at 2am? And more importantly, what were you doing checking your podcast feeds at 2am? Anyway, incidentally, yesterday, the clocks went back. No, they didn't. They went forward, didn't they? Well, whatever they did. Silly things. Um, We only had 23 hours to get a show out and we did it. We did. Actually, I I was just thinking about my clock going forward. It just did it automatically. Yes, I got left with the stuff that didn't. You know, the microwave and rubbish like that. microwave. Yeah. So poor Jonathan potentially needed paramedics, but Mike Bytesbury sorted him out. And uh, he wasn't the only one who tweeted, was he? Oh. oh, yes, Wayne tweeted, but not at two o'clock in the morning. No, Wayne was um, at a much more sensible hour. Yes, he said it's like waiting for a bus. Yes, he had, I think it was three in the queue. Another one with slight delinquency issues. We also heard from Alistair, who left a comment on the show notes. And he said from memory, Audible Hub, which he loved, also did parallel conversions. He said he's sure he could remember his old Core 2 duo. I had one of those, you know, pumping through two tracks at a time. He said, I'll be checking out the alternatives mentioned because I too have never found anything as simple or as powerful as Audial Hub. I don't remember it doing more than one at a time, I must admit. I don't, but I didn't try. No, I don't think I did. We don't tend to produce map bites en masse, do we? Until this <laughs> not week. U- not usually. Mm. Of course, that's this week. Next week could be a whole different business, but I mustn't tease. We also heard from Nick Green again. And... um He's he's got what he thinks is gear of the year. I can't unfortunately take the credit for introducing him to this, but what Nick's bought and agrees with me is um, the mobile light wireless, and he is loving it. So uh, good to hear that he's doing what I'm doing, which is using lots of different devices on it. So um, like I said, one of the benefits to me was that it had um, pen drive support, standard USB support, and support for micro cards, micro SD cards. Um, he also likes the fact that it can connect to the internet simultaneously, um, which it that to me, he said it was a major selling point. To me, that was amazing. Uh, I wasn't really expecting that because I'd got experience with the Airstash, which doesn't do that. And I must admit, it is very annoying, the fact that it doesn't. So, um, yeah, an upgrade that actually works out cheaper because the Airstash is a lot more expensive. He's also using Goodreader, so he's managed to get it linked to Goodreader. You're ahead of me, Nick. I haven't got that far yet. But he also recommends another application called Files Connect, which is one I haven't heard of. Do you realise that Nick's done that twice in two days now? Mm. You're keeping toys from me. Uh, I did have one I was going to try. Um, I've got the app. It is very powerful. I've not tried it with the mobile light yet, but it's called File Browser. And I got that. It was on offer, I think, but I got it specifically because it had 
a feature where I could connect to my server with it. It would use, I think it was Windows mount points. So that one's called File Browser. So you might want to have a look at that one as well. Pretty good piece of software. I don't know if that's been updated for iOS 7 though. Uh, but Nick also comes up with some very useful information, which is he's made the point that when you transfer your data from the phone via this device to your cards, be very careful because the file names, if you've deleted a day's shooting on your phone or your other device, um, the file names will be the same. And if you don't create a folder on the destination, then it will overwrite it. So excellent tip there. Thank you very much for that. He's also using it to stream TV shows, you know. Mm. I've not got round to that either. No. I think I've been too busy. Probably he, doing map bike shows. He's well ahead of you here, isn't he? You're just winding me up, aren't you? <laughs> uh, so thank you for that, Nick, and the lovely Keld. So great to hear from you. And also thank you to Aaron for his review on iTunes. He says, uh, do miss these guys when they are off the air. Always fun. Please keep podcasting. Thank you. And as I say, thank you very much for everybody's feedback. I think we've got enough feedback for the next show as well. I think we have. It's been mad busy. All right, let's move on to the main part of the show, which is all to do with Microsoft Office on the iPad. Yes, finally, it's here. Did you doubt it was ever coming? No, I knew it would be here. I I reached a point a while back where I wondered if it would. And then with the changes at Microsoft, I thought it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Um, I did watch the launch event. Don't think you did, did you? No, I didn't. No, I think it was at home time, which is a silly time to do it. Um, it was a very professional event. Much better than that failing surface. Do you, re do you remember Stephen Sanofsky? I remember that one. He was the guy who demonstrated the surface. Um, Steve Ballmer did the introduction and then Stephen Sanofsky came on. He was head of the Windows division, I think, at the time. And he had a surface in his hand and he was really pumped up. It was a decentish presentation, actually, until the thing failed on him. And he did a little pixie jump, a hop, skip and a jump over to this cupboard where he had half a dozen more of these things and tried to sort of switch it uh, that we wouldn't notice. Never good. But uh, presentation much better. And um, they seem to be saying it was a complete redesign or what, what's that buzzword? Reimagining, Re yes, of what Office should be on a mobile device. So I was quite cynical. But then I did a bit of research and the person who's responsible mainly for the design seems to be Microsoft's version of Johnny I. It is a gentleman called Han Yi Shaw. And he criticised Microsoft's approach to designing for the Mac back in the 90s. So I believe it was quite a criticism. And they hired him. And his designs are all over this new version of Office. He seems to be the go-to person for the design. So uh, he designed it. But the demonstration itself, after the general introduction by, um, I forget his name, the new guy at Microsoft. I can't not, remember. Oh, not something. Um, so Google it. You Google it. I can't, I can't quite remember. I'm ashamed to say, but I can't remember. But the demonstration was um, by the general manager of Windows. Odd, they chose the general manager of Windows Marketing. You found him yet? No. I dread to think what you're typing Satya in. Satya Nadella. That's the fella. Nadella, not Natella. Mm, I'm thinking of Nutella, aren't I? was I? just going to say Nutella. <laughs> I don't even eat the stuff, but never mind. Uh, yes, so Julia White did uh, the main demonstration and um, she was wearing, which I wouldn't normally comment on. I wouldn't normally comment on what people are wearing, but it was quite striking. She had this black leather jacket on with, with a big zip right across it. 
she looked like a cross between a biker chick and a ninja. You didn't even see the pictures, did you? No, but I can but, imagine. Oh, yes, you can well imagine. Um, I'll say it wasn't Steve Bulmer. And I must admit, I've got quite a soft spot for him. Now he's gone. So she didn't have sweaty armpits and going, developers, developers, developers. No, it just wasn't the I same. I this company. <laughs> no, none of that. It was all very professional. <laughs> no, I sat through a whole hour of Steve Ballmer a couple of weeks back. He was uh, doing a talk to um, with Ca- Cambridge, Cambridge, Cambridge University. Cambridge or Oxford, I think. Yeah, Oxford or Cambridge. Can't remember which one. Obviously, Oxford's the best, she said. <clears throat> Uh, not to stir the pot I went to Oxford so there you go Um, yes he did this talk and he was great he really was just like a guy in a pub really nice bloke don't think he took over Microsoft at the best time really for them did he no they were um, beset with troubles I think at the time weren't they well there was all the legal stuff and you know they they weren't moving in in the same direction as the rest of the world so no he had a bit of a rough ride but seems like a decent enough bloke the message of the day seemed to be it's not a stripped down version of a desktop app it's the best user experience for the device in question which always worries me when they say stuff like that until I've seen it but uh, there was a couple of quotes and I thought they were very good quotes very telling quotes Um, Julia when she was introducing it said while we're bringing the ribbon over to the iPad obviously blood ran cold at that point so while we're bringing the ribbon over to the ipad it will be no heavier than a feather interesting quote isn't it interesting quote yeah i can see what she's saying when you've tried it you totally understand that quote it means they've implemented the ribbon but not in the heavy way that it's pervasive on the desktop app it's much more subtle it's much more responsive it's much prettier isn't it it makes you want to use it whereas the other ribbon is just I don't like it at all. So that was one quote. And the other one was from this designer. And he said, these devices are magical, but only if you can get work done. And I thought that's a nice hat tip to Steve Jobs, isn't it? It is with, um, what did he say? His original, um, this was iPad 1, his original, I, I would call this tweetable. I'm sure it's less than 140 characters. His original, and he put it on a slide as well, his original quote was, um, our most advanced technology in a magical and revolutionary device at an unbelievable price. So it was a real hat tip to what he'd said, and I think that more than anything, to be honest, marks a real change in Microsoft's approach to this. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I believe they've taken down a lot of adverts that uh, ridiculed the iPad as not being a serious business machine. Which obviously would be shooting themselves in the foot right now. Yes, I think they have to now, don't (laughs) they? So they've taken it down and they've put in place a different marketing strategy. They've now got a range of... I've seen a lot of these lately. You know where businesses and brands tweet a picture, but the picture has like um, a banner across the bottom in in their corporate colour and it's got some kind of quote on it and then a, a hashtag. Those things. Well, they've got one going, which is uh, put office to work. So they've got these pictures of of people queuing up to get to office and then they're having the pictures taken with it and it says, you know, putting office to work. So a real change in strategy, I think, and and not before time. Mm. So what is it that you're getting? Well, what they brought out is three separate apps. So they brought out Word, Excel and PowerPoint. There is no version of Access. We we talked about whether there would be, didn't we? We did. And I think we came down on the right conclusion that no, there probably wouldn't be. So it's Word, Excel and PowerPoint. Now, there already was OneNote. So OneNote was already available. Um, OneDrive, which was SkyDrive, was already available. There's actually quite a few other utilities from Microsoft. I know Link's available, isn't it? Link's available, yeah. Have you tried that on an iPad? I have. 
and um, I've ever tried it on the foot. No, I've tried it on both, and it works very well. So there are other apps out there. Well, I discussed that in one of the other episodes. Yes, this I week. know, but I didn't think you'd mentioned using it on an iPad. I thought you were using it on the Mac. Uh, yeah, I've used I've used it on both. Yeah, good. Well, that what's actually come out is Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. They are free to download, and they give you reading and presentation capabilities. But the extra features need paying for, and that's when it kicked off, didn't it? Yes. Yeah, my feed certainly kicked off. Strangely, by mo- most people kicking off were ones who wouldn't use Office anyway. So I'm not too sure about the logic of that one. They just had to have an opinion. True. Uh, and a negative one, because it involves Microsoft. Um, the extra features, uh, which are creating presentations, editing spreadsheets, creating do- Word documents, you do need to pay for. And there is only one way to pay for them, and that is an Office 365 subscription, which is £79.99 a year. I know That's that. pounds. Yes, that's pounds. I know that. But you're not just paying for the iPad version. So when you think about the price of this thing, obviously that's going to be a heck of a price if you only want to use it on the iPad. But the whole Office 365 thing is so much more than that. Uh, Plus the fact I can get the price down for you a bit. You ready? It's good, this. This is saving money. And quite a bit of it. Um, if you buy from Microsoft, you will pay direct to them £79.99 per year. If you go via Amazon, and the price today was sixty-five fifty-five. Now, what you get is you buy from them a box, and in the box, you just get a card. There is nothing else in this box. It's quite a big box, considering there's just a card in it. And it is a redemption code. You then go to the Office 365 website, and instead of giving them your credit card details, you put in the code of this redemption card. That instantly saves you £14. You can also subscribe via an in-app purchase, and 30% of that goes to Apple. That might make some of our MacBiters feel better about paying for it. If Apple got 30% of it, like like a little charitable donation, what do you think? Yeah, this is a good idea. <laughs> right, but you will then, the, the price is then back up to $79.99. But if you used iTunes vouchers when they're on offer... Derek, Derek's your man for iTunes vouchers on offer. And quite a few places have got them on offer until sometime this week. Um, And that's obviously in the UK. I'm sure there are special offers in other locations. Uh, But if you use iTunes vouchers, you can save 20%, which will take your £80 subscription down to £64. Can't get it any less than that at the moment, but £64. Now, what you get for that is um, the Windows version the Mac version, OneDrive and 20 gig of free space. So that is 20 gig on top of the existing 7 gig that anybody gets for free. You also get five desktop installs of that. So you could install it on five different versions of Windows, five different Macs. You can do with those whatever you want. You also get five mobile installs. So it could be iOS, Android, Surface, I doubt there's a MacBiter with a Surface. What do you think? If you've got, if you're a MacBiter and you've got a Surface, let us know. I won't make any strange promises about, about prizes, but if you have, let us know. Um, I can't install it on my Android, my Nexus Seven. It doesn't support it. Not pleased about that, but no, it doesn't. So I don't actually know with Android whether it's just tablets or whether it works on the phone as well. No idea. If you've got an Android, let us know if you've got it working because it doesn't work on mine. Now, the thing is, at the moment, they are not tracking mobile installs. Now, that sounds 
hideous, doesn't it? Tracking installs. They do track your installs, but it is a, a personal install. So it's personal licensing. So they track them on this central dashboard that you have at office365.com. And I've got two entries. I've got my desktop entries and my mobile entries and nothing is coming up on the mobile entries. So I was wondering if they were tracking them at all. Um, but apparently, no, they're not. Now, don't abuse that and install it everywhere you can think of it or they'll, they, they will and they will all suffer. They'll take it all away. But at the moment, they are not tracking how many devices you put it on as long as they are mobile devices. And the whole Office 365 licensing thing is a lot easier than a perpetual license because that perpetual license, you know, you buy a box product, it's limited to a single machine. Now, we all change machines, choice or forced, and Microsoft have now recognised the need. I think I mentioned this yesterday. It was about time they did. They've recognised the need for personal licensing rather than device licensing. And I've said before, the implementation's great. You get that central management and it actually works. Where this comes into its own for £64 is that you can share your subscription with other people in your household. Now, what they get is they get access to your installs. So you're still limited to, the, to your five desktop installs, but you can share it with other people. They also get 20 gig of their own OneDrive space. Now, I thought that was worth quite a bit when you think of what 20 gig for a year would cost you. That is, that's a good deal. It's a good deal because they've already got seven gig of their own. So they've then got 27 gig of storage. Now, if there's only you using it, which with, with mine there was, then you could share that with yourself. I know this is sounding like Johnny Got No Mate, but there is logic to my madness here. If you created other email addresses, so if you've got your mail hosted on Google, you could have, um, you know, Elaine plus Microsoft One, Elaine plus Microsoft Two, etc. You could create other email addresses with that plus address. Or you could use standard email addresses, whatever. And that would give you another, so you could share it with four people and it would give you another 80 gig of storage for yourself. That's 80 gig from your Office 365 subscription plus four times seven. So another 28 gig because you've created Microsoft IDs with those four accounts. So 107 gig for free is not bad, is it? It's not. Actually, the whole thing is a very good deal when you consider that the Office 2011 box version was about £80 when I bought it. I, that's what makes me think it's a good deal. I know with the boxed version, you are getting that for perpetual use. I understand that. But there is no SkyDrive space with it. There's no multiple installs. It's locked to a device. Um, and now what they've done to make it look an even better deal is that boxed version that you got, which had three licenses for £80 is now £140 with no access to the mobile version and no OneDrive space. Yeah, the three installs that I had, I've actually used them all. I've got one on here on my, on my iMac. I've got one on the old white MacBook and I've got one on the dead MacBook Pro. And you can't reuse it, can you? Want well, it's difficult, I think, to reuse it. If you've got two if options, if you need to reuse it, one is to ring Microsoft and plead your case, but they reserve the right to tell you no. And the other, there is a way through a lot of hacking. I'm sure we put a link to this somewhere. There is, I think we did. There is a way that you can transfer a license, but it's very manual and it's horrible. You know, you've got to 
do all sorts of things and rejig your machine. But apparently it is possible. People have done it. So if you're in that situation, because the other thing they used to do was a box with one license in it. And if you went for that one to save a little bit more money and then your machine died, then you've got no access to it at all. So it's worth a try. But yes, they did do that. The other great thing with this is that once you've activated um, Office on the iPad, then the person who has activated it can actually log out and anyone else who logs in on that device then actually has unlimited access to all the Office for iPad features. I found that amazing. Mm. So it only needs activating once, then it doesn't matter who uses it. Again, I'm thinking they don't want people to exploit that, and I, I don't think I would, but it's quite handy. It is. We did the legal thing. Because as we've explained, uh, Mike's Office 2011 license didn't give him access to Office for iPad. Yeah, so you sent me an invite and the email arrived. And when I opened it up in Postbox, there was no way for me to accept the invite. And you're telling me to hit the accept button. No, I'm reading it from my end and it said, send the email and then ask the person to hit the accept button. And we were failing at that point, weren't we? Yeah, the body of the email in Postbox was just totally blank. When I looked at it in Gmail, in a browser, it was a HTML mail full of text, links and a huge accept button slap bang in the middle i also checked it in airmail i did install airmail um and it looked fine so that's another good reason to switch away from postbox as we discussed yesterday or the day, day before i think yeah just a thing with postbox i reckon but uh, you yeah. managed to get in i did i clicked on that accept button and then your experience and mine veered off from each other as usual. That was strange. Well, I'm pretty confident when I installed it, because as I say, it was available about five o'clock hour time. So I think you had just wandered off with a dog and I downloaded it, installed it. And I, I ran PowerPoint first and I'm taking screenshots as I'm going. And I am pretty confident I was not asked at any point for my Microsoft password. And I was wondering why. I was waiting for it. I know my Microsoft password. I don't know many of my passwords. They're in one password. But I do know the, the biggies, you know, the ones that you do have to type in frequently. So yeah. I know my iCloud account password and I know my Windows password, my Microsoft ID, because I have to use it every time I log into my virtual machine. And I was waiting to type it in and I did not have to type it in. I'm confident I didn't. And when I opened up PowerPoint, I was logged in and I thought, well, OK, what, why is this happening? Now, it could have been for one of a few reasons. I already had OneDrive installed and I was logged into it with my Microsoft ID. But it was my understanding that apps on iOS didn't have that capability to use each other's private data information. I mean, why would they allow that? So I, I'd kind of written that off that it couldn't be that, surely, could it? Then I thought it through and I thought, well, my Apple ID and my Microsoft ID, both of them have the same email address. But I know that m many people don't have that advantage. And that was where things started going south for you. Yeah, because my um, Apple ID that is um, used on the iPad is my .Mac. That's the one I use to buy. Well, it's the one that's registered with iTunes. So it's the one that I use to, to buy and update apps. Um, and it's, it's still a pain. It's this, this fact that you can't merge Apple IDs. 
So I thought people are going to come a cropper with this. Um, I found that once I'd gone into PowerPoint, I was there and it was OK. But I did a bit of research and it seems that you activate one application and that seems to activate the others. So I went into PowerPoint first, betting you went into Excel. I did. And you probably only have to do this once. Like I say, it could have been OneDrive being installed, not sure. But a lot of other people were reporting serious problems. No, I didn't have any problems apart from having to activate just by typing in my Microsoft details. The other th issues that people were reporting was that they were logged in with whatever they had down as their Apple ID and it came back and said you don't have a subscription. But there was no other way to log in, that there wasn't a way to log in directly to Microsoft. But you, you saw it and there was. There was an activate button in, in the top right. Yeah, um, I opened up one of the apps. It was read only. Um, I clicked the activate button and was asked to log in. So it allowed you to put in your Microsoft credentials and then you were in and that was it. Yeah. But other people were screaming blue murder, so I'm not sure what their problem was. Obviously, you could potentially have problems if you have your Microsoft ID, because you would have some space on this, wouldn't you? You'd have possibly have all your stuff in your OneDrive account. And you then want to buy a subscription, but you want to do it via Apple, via an in-app purchase, because it would have to be your Apple ID for the in-app purchase. And that wouldn't match the existing space that you had if you had a Microsoft ID and you weren't using the same email address. Mm. So, unfortunate, I'm lucky. Uh, yours wasn't too bad. It did work. But some people are having issues, so be aware of that one. So, first impressions using it. I thought it was very nice. I thought it was very nicely done. Surprisingly well done for what I was expecting. There are a couple of quirks. Uh, one of the big things instantly for me was that OneDrive is the default storage. In fact, it's, it's the only storage. There is an offline mode where creation only, but I left you to play around with that, seeing how good it was working offline. Yeah, the thing I found with offline is if you if you are disconnected from any, any Wi-Fi or any 3G, I, I just put myself in uh, airplane mode to test it, then you can create a new document and it kind of saves it on the iPad. And then the next time you connect up to OneDrive, it will take, it will save it up there. So it'll, it'll synchronize, but you can't uh, open any document that is, uh, is on OneDrive unless you are online. Hmm. which is a bit of a problem with an iPad that's Wi-Fi and you're out and you've not got a connection. Don't mm, think that happens mind. too many times, to be honest, with people these days. Or they wouldn't no. be buying Wi-Fi only ones, would they? That's true. Not sure, wi -Fi. not sure how much of a, of a biggie that is for people, but it was quirky because you, you also ended up with two copies of a file, didn't you? Yeah, I think that happened when I reconnected to the network and I, I had two files open. Well, no, I had the same file open, one on the iPad and one copy of it on the desktop. Just to confuse the I, poor thing. And then I tried to save it, both files at the same time, just to see what would happen. And it did actually create... Were you trying to get the thing to explode? No, I'm just pushing it. Uh, it, it created a file called um, you know, workbook1-mike-t21, which was the name of my computer. So you could cause complete havoc if left alone. Yes. But what were your impressions? My impressions? Um, if you're looking for something that looks like Office with the ribbon interface and all the functionality of the desktop version, then I would say that this is not 
the app for you. But if you have access to a 365 subscription, if you store your files in OneDrive or SharePoint, and you're looking for a way to be able to create and edit Office files on the go for free, then this is one option that you have. Now, um, for starting a new document, all three applications come with, I found, come with a nice set of templates. I was impressed with the templates. Yeah. I think some of them are available in the desktop versions and they've just ported them across, but there are quite a nice set of templates. Um, the interface is nice. As you've said, um, the interface is nice. I like the interface. Each app has got a set of tabs across the top. It is a, it is a sort of ribbon. She was right when she said it's like um, a lightweight version of the ribbon. It has got the tabs there. It's just not the exact same interface as the desktop. And as you tab on a tap, the icons do change. Tab on a tap. Tab on a tap. Tap on a tab. Tap on a tab. <laughs> I'll say that again. Don't ruin it. I was enjoying that. <laughs> okay. Well, we do something on something. Again. Yeah, as you tap, as you tap on a tab, um, the icons do change just like the ribbon on the desktop version. Yeah, I like the interface. I think it, it is well designed. I The first thing that struck me was that I had opened Word documents before. I've done demonstrations of SkyDrive and there is a, well, there was a kind of viewer in SkyDrive. But with this version of Word, you get complete fidelity with the original desktop file because, to be honest, the viewer was quite poor. You could see stuff but what I found was do you remember that demo where I opened it and there was like a little block in there and it was behind some text and, yeah. and the viewer brought this block solid coloured block to the front and covered all the text up with it great I think I'm jinxed with documents they just redact everything um, I did struggle to make even a simple file simple enough to work I was finding I had a document and to make it work in a demo I had to start taking things out so no tables no colored blocks no nothing so it could view plain text was about as good as it got so viewing it's good creation wise there's a few compromises it can create footnotes which is quite handy if you use footnotes but it doesn't seem to do a table of contents um, I'd say there's more than enough features for most average users just like pages, numbers and keynote, really. You agree? Yeah, totally. Um, I think students would probably use footnotes. I know I use them endlessly at law school. I also probably use tables of contents. But if I had to choose one or the other, I'd say, no, I use footnotes more. So I can see why they've gone for that. And I think this is the kind of thing they'll probably add in. Yeah, I think, as you, as you say, footnotes, are, are, in my experience, are used by students and also research people. Yes, who I'm imagining would probably want to work on an iPad for flexibility. Yeah. So I think table of contents, maybe take it back to a desktop one if you need something like that. Um, I went into Excel. I thought the templates, like you say, not only were they very nice, but they were quite advanced and they very, are. very well designed. They, they really showcase what the app could do. I remember, you know, going into Excel, and I'll admit it's not one of my favourite apps. And they were usually very Spartan. They were functional, but really, what we came to expect from Microsoft, where they were, they added up, and that was about it. But don't expect anything that looks great. Thought it was quite intuitive to work with, um, more so than I found the new version of Numbers. I'll be honest, not a fan of the new version of Numbers. So I did find this quite intuitive. Not quite sure why, because like I say, I'm no big fan of Excel, but I did find it easy. Like the dedicated numeric keypad, so that's very, very similar to Numbers. 
and then I heard if I heard this once on the day of release, you know what's coming, don't you? I do. It doesn't do pivot tables. How many people do you know who actually use pivot tables? There's plenty talk about them and say, but it doesn't do pivot tables. But how many actually use them? It's a good question. I mean, I know you do at work. Yeah, but here's another question. All those people who are concerned that it doesn't do pivot tables, have they tried doing pivot tables in numbers? That is a very good point. <laughs> I asked you, I had some data in numbers and I just wanted to do something simple with it. And I'm there thinking about it. And I'm a logical person. I think it all through. And I thought, I'm not seeing a way to do this. I know, I'll give it Mike. And I gave it you and you had a look at it and it's like, you handed it back and said, no. And I thought, well, just a minute, just a minute. Because I don't like to take no for an answer. Do you remember the things I had you doing with Lotus 1, 2, 3 when we first met? Yes, I remember. Oh, you, you had the thing jumping through hoops. And there was always a workaround. I know there wasn't a workaround with numbers, so I agree with you. I know a lot of people talk about pivot tables. I know they're incredibly powerful. I know how to use a pivot table. I very seldom do need a pivot table. So I didn't think that was a big one. And as I'm saying, I'm sure it's coming, but... Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, pivot tables tend to be used best on large amounts of data. And very often that data will be pulled live from a database or a, a, a web source. And you're not going to be able to do that on an iPad. I agree with you. Not, not a big thing to miss out, I didn't think. Not a mobile no. device. No. I, of course, gave Excel a good going over. Um, and I, I, I found it worked very well. To, you, to actually type a number or some text into a cell, you just select the cell and you, you um, tap up in the formula bar. So up at the top, just below the ribbon, uh, it actually says type here. Um, and as you, as you double tap, I'm doing it right now actually, an on-screen keyboard appears and the right-hand side of this on-screen keyboard, you've got two buttons. You've got an ABC button, which gives you a, a QWERTY keyboard and the one, two, three button. And that actually gives you, as you, I think you said it before, a numeric keypad. Yep along with some other buttons so it's actually got the up down left right arrow keys and some of the other numeric symbols things like the auto sum button um, it did take me a while to work out how to actually uh, blank out a cell how to re how to delete the contents of a cell um, and i worked it out that you have to bring up the numeric keypad tap on the one two three and hit the x button which is the the backspace button there didn't seem to be any kind of context menu but i sorted you out with that because i thought it was very odd um, but there is indeed no context menu if you have speak selection turned on in settings general accessibility but if you turn off speak selection then magically a context menu appears it does. At the time, actually, I was trying to delete a chart and I was tapping on the chart and there was nothing coming up that allowed me to delete the chart. So when you look this up and you found that turn off uh, speak selection, that opens up a whole different set of options. So if I actually tap on a cell, he says trying it and it's not doing it now. Tap and hold. No. This is because I've left you with it. Now you've broken yeah. it. Anyway, if you select a cell, then you get this context menu coming up with cut, copy, paste, delete, and various other options. Except so, speak selection, apparently. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll give up speech selection. Speak selection, even. <laughs> give up for, speaking. Uh, yes. 
I'll give up speak selection for those extra options. There are some nice little touches as well in Excel. So, for example, to change a column width or row height, you can tap on the column letter or the row number and you get this little double strip um, or double stripe just to the right of the letter. And then you can just drag to the right or the left or for the number up and down and you get freeze panes as well. So as you scroll down or scroll across your headings that are on row one or, or column A don't disappear. So it's little things like that. Um, which are probably more useful to the average person than pivot tables and VBA support. I agree. I was impressed it could actually create charts. I thought yeah, maybe if they they you know got so far along the development cycle, maybe maybe charts would come down the line. But it can do that. Yeah, I wasn't so impressed with the fact it's got no support for non-contiguous cells. You're going to need to explain that concept again. There are MacBiters crying at the thought now. Non-contiguous cells, all it means is selecting non-consecutive cells. So if I had something in column A and something in column C and I wanted to create a chart from it, I'd have to select the cells in column A. And then as soon as I select the cells in column D, I lose the selection from column A. I couldn't find a way to do that. Mm, there might be, though, because that is something that people might need. That's one I, I might go back and have another look at. Yeah, we'll investigate. Otherwise, you could, you'd could you have to move them, wouldn't you? You'd have to move yeah. them next to each other. Uh, well, I went into PowerPoint in a big way. Uh, I was impressed. I was impressed. And I'm not a great fan of PowerPoint, a bit, a bit like Excel. I tolerate it better than Excel. But um, the first thing that struck me was there's a really easy way to access 4.3 ratio templates and 16.9 templates, which for a long, long time, PowerPoint on the desktop didn't have. It wasn't easy. I think I would, I would say the iPad version is easier than the desktop when it comes to that. The templates themselves were quite nice. So if you're out and you are sort of trying to put something together on the road, where you don't have access to a desktop, they weren't bad. They weren't bad at all. I found the interface very responsive. It was very smooth. Wasn't really what I was expecting at all because I've tried a few alternatives to Office over the years and um, didn't like any of them, I don't think. But the interface is very nice. The, th the best thing about it that I've seen so far, there are some amazing transitions that you can use between the slides. Now, famously, I do not use transitions of any description in any presentation I ever make. But my first thought was how great they'd look in a video. There are more transitions, many more transitions than you'll get in Keynote. Uh, some of them are similar-ish. So you've got that kind of move up, slide in from the right, the basic kind of stuff. But it also has some very advanced ones. Uh, I couldn't get over the swishing curtains, could I? No. <laughs> I was like a little kid with it. I thought that one is nice. And I, I put it on a few slides and just kept trying it, thinking it really is nice that it, it's a very professional looking thing. I mean, obviously it becomes too hackneyed. That's why I don't use transitions. If you need to rely on a transition to make your point, then you're not making your point. So I keep them very basic for, for lots of reasons. But I know a lot of people do like transitions and if, it, if having some transitions in there makes you feel more confident that you feel your presentation's more professional, then go for it. And these presentation transitions were really, really nice. So if you have got that 365 subscription, definitely give it a go. They would look alarmingly good in a video. I wonder if you could actually export that as a video. If you could maybe take those back to the desktop and have the same transitions work on a desktop. They were very, very nice. Um, the only thing I found very strange, which was virtually a showstopper in PowerPoint, was 
a strange decision regarding the presenting. It has a presentation view, it's really nice, but the only way to present it, to, to get the slides off the iPad, is by mirroring. So that was why I was updating my Apple TV, wasn't it? So I could try the mirroring yeah. to it. Yeah, that took the best part of all night. Bad idea that was. That was when Google started. So I finally got it up and running and I mirrored this presentation to it. And I couldn't get it full screen. That, well, that was one issue I had with it. But it didn't look that sharp, I didn't think. Because it was mirrored and not presented to it. The other thing I thought about with that was you've got annotation tools that you can use during your presentation. They work great. And you've got this laser pointer. So you tap and hold on your presentation and a laser pointer appears and you can then move your finger across. And it was it was instant. It, there was no lag to it because I've used that before. I had it in the Windows version and I've demonstrated it, but I never use it because the lag is just too much. And you're, of course, you're using it with a mouse, so it's not as instinctive as a finger but the lag was there wasn't a lag so that was that was nice but it does need more of a, a way to present because if you do it mirroring you're mirroring what is on your ipad so if you need access to your notes you're not getting the full presenter view on the ipad and your audience getting the full audience view on the screen they're seeing what you see so as you bring up the tool to draw with they're seeing it so they really do need to do something about that. But I guess what you could do is take make your presentation in PowerPoint and then take it out of PowerPoint into one of those other apps and present it with that because they've been around longer and they do have a pre presenter view. Yeah. So that was um, one of the things I found wrong with PowerPoint, but it was still a very impressive application. I was impressed they'd managed to do as well as they did with it. But there are some missing features I think number one missing feature people are talking about is printing. You bothered yeah. about that? I um, I can't say I print very much these days. I don't think I have ever printed a document from my iPad. Could just be the way I use it. The only thing I have a virtual printer for, you know, Printopia on the yeah. Mac, is for quickly getting a photo off it. And that is, I think that's pretty much what I use that it for. That is literally all I do with it. I've, having no printing capabilities is of no significance whatsoever to me. In fact, you asked me a question and said, what was, what was the last thing you printed for yourself mm. off you know, your Mac? And I sat there and I thought, and I thought, hmm, got two printers in the office. If you noticed, whenever I do need to print, they're on strike. Yes. They seem shocked. As I, as I click the print button, they seem to be like, whoa, you want me to print? Good grief. I hasten to add when I do want to print, it's usually not for me anyway, usually for mum. So no, I couldn't remember the last thing I wanted to print, but I do appreciate that's a bit of a showstopper for a lot of people. So they need to add the printing. I think they need full presentation mode support. And I think Dropbox support's important. It is, but obviously they are looking after their own, as it were, with OneDrive. I can see that, and it certainly makes OneDrive an essential, but I'm thinking they might need to do something about adding that. Of course, you can go to OneDrive. If you save it, then you open the OneDrive app, and you then send the app, the, the file from there to wherever you want. You might need something in the middle, like Goodreader. Then that would work, but not yeah. ideal, I don't think, if it doesn't support extra stuff. I'm guessing it supports a SharePoint, though. It does support SharePoint. And didn't you say you can have multiple um, accounts? Yeah, that's one of the great things that uh, you can have. If, you've got, if you have got multiple OneDrive accounts, for example, you can link 
it to all those OneDrive accounts and multiple SharePoint sites. So if you did my trick, which uh, was sharing your OneDrive, your one Microsoft Office 365 subscription with yourself, you could connect to all of that storage as well, which mm. with something like Dropbox, if you've got extra storage on another account, it's quite difficult to use all of it at the same time. So yeah. that actually integrates quite nicely. But I think the key question is, is it too little too late? And I don't think so. I think there are people who are going to be absolutely thrilled. It might have been a long time coming, but Microsoft could have an advantage over Apple if they were clever enough um, because they're only concentrating on the software. They should be dedicated to making Office on the iPad the best application available. In fact, the best application available for Office work on all platforms, especially Apple's hardware. Trouble is, you know, Microsoft track record indicates otherwise. But there is a completely new structure and team in place at Microsoft. So not only Steve Ballmer moving sideways, but Bill Gates coming back in some sort of advisory role. Um, fellow with the odd name, Nutella, that fella. That's the one. That's the one, Mr. Nutella. Um, he's there and he's got a cloud background. So very much focusing. In fact, the whole team now have a very strong cloud background. So um, who knows? Maybe it's the start of a, a resurgence for Microsoft, she said, <clears throat> laughingly. But you never know. Heard it here first. I don't think it's too late either, to be honest. Um, but if it's not for you, then there are some alternatives, um, other other alternatives that I have looked at. I'm not going to go into any of these in any, any depth, but you've got Documents to Go, you've got Quick Edit, you've got Calc XLS if you want to edit Excel files. And one that quite a lot of people have mentioned is Kingsoft Office. I've heard good things about that, especially the fact it can print, apparently. Yeah, they all contain, um, certainly for Excel, uh, basic functionality, the ability to format, the ability to enter formulas, uh, PowerPoint, you can insert shapes, it's got find and replace functionality. Um, the only one that contains advanced functionality is, and I've, I've banged on about this many times in the past, is Cloudon. Now, Cloudon was originally iPad only, it's totally free. It's since been extended to iPhone and Android, and there's now a browser-based version. And it does also support a number of storage locations for your files. So it, it supports Dropbox, Box, OneDrive, Google Drive, and something called Hightail, which I found out is what used to be called You Send It. The interface of the applications is actually Microsoft Office. So when you go into it, um, the menus are slightly different, but you do have a this proper ribbon so if you want the look and feel then it is there although you know having said that this this lighter weight um, ribbon on office for ipad i actually think is very nice i think cloud on would be for the power and the new office for ipad would be when you when you want it to work in an intuitive way for a touch device yeah now for those people who really 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 do want pivot tables in excel on ipad <laughs> then Cloudon is the way to go. It also supports things like smart art and table of contents in Word. That's not Word art, is it? It's not Word art, no. it's smart art. It's, it's smart art's good, diagram. Word art's yeah. bad. Now, having bigged all that up, some of the more advanced functionality like AirPrint and pivot tables is only available if you subscribe to Cloudon Pro, which is £5.49 a month. There is actually an offer... Um, which finishes tomorrow, 
or today, depending when this podcast goes out, you might have a few hours to uh, subscribe. And I, if, if you do subscribe at this half price, I don't know whether it goes up come next month or whether you are grandfathered in forever on that low price. Um, and it is free. That's that's on the um, iPad and iPhone and, and Android, but it's free on a Mac and PC until the 1st of November this year. So if you want to try it out, then you can always get a Cloudon account for free and try it out for the next few months. I think it's worth having a look at. Um, I don't use it greatly myself, but I did get an account because it's just one of those things it's handy to have on your iPad should somebody want to send you a file. It is. Um, I've also done a few videos on it, which I'll stick the links in the show notes. The thing I will say about that is it's very good. It is the real office because the way it works is it's running in a sort of VM, isn't it, on a server and yeah. sending you back a picture of it is how it works. You know, simple explanation. But if it was 5 49 a month... Then for 12 months, that's going to cost you £65.88. And that's just for mobile access. So the people complaining about the price of an Office 365 subscription, like I said, if you use your iTunes vouchers or you buy via Amazon, you could get the whole Office 365 experience for less than Cloudon for a year. Mm. So although Cloudon is the full real deal it's the full real deal but it's still it, it's a desktop app running on an ipad yeah. in a window so i don't think it's it's not the perfect version of office running on an ipad it's it's an option yeah but i would say that's as far as it goes an option yeah i agree with you it's uh, it's one option as i said there's, there's there's half a dozen options but that is it for this special episode of mac bytes the penultimate part of our mac bytes 7 series seven mac bytes in seven days how are you all coping not too well from what we've heard on Twitter. <laughs> we have delinquency, we have exhaustion, we have shock. <laughs> and that's just from us too. Oh, we're not doing too bad, are we? No. But as always, we'd love to hear from you. So send in your questions, your comments, your queries to macbytesuk.gmail.com. We've got the contact form on the website. Or send us an audio file. And leave us comments on the show notes at macbytes.co.uk. Thank you to everybody who has. Don't forget to keep sending in your Mac love bites and leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you to all those who have. And like us on Facebook, circle us on Google+, sign up for the newsletter, macbytes.co.uk, and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash macbytes. And you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash thomasmike. You can follow me at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash series. So until the next time, this has been Mike and Elaine bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye. Goodbye and see you next time. What are you doing? Barricading them in the studio, of course. Why? Six episodes into the great MacBytes 7. I'm not risking them falling at the last hurdle. <laughs>